And actually, uh, last night around 9.30, I um, thought about changing the text and the subject for today to instead preach out of um, Colossians chapter 3, verse 2, where it says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Football. Uh, I added that because few people didn't get it for service. They were turning their Bibles to Colossians. So. Anyway. I'm guessing most of us have a pet peeve. Some kind of a habit or behavior or something that when you see it, drives you a bit crazy. Most people, I, I think, have at least one, right? You, do you kind of relate to that at all? No? For me, it's a person who thinks they're the exception to the rule, you know, whatever that rule might be. I think my, the one person, the time I enjoy it the most, don't enjoy it, is you know, going down the interstate, and there's a very, very large sign that says two lanes, three lanes, merging into one, and You've heard me talk about this before. It just drives me crazy. There's always some people think that that's meant for everybody else and not for them. And if it drives me crazy, drives Becky crazy, that it drives me crazy. But, but actually, it doesn't. Kabeski, very low-key. She never gets crazy. She just kind of gives me that, that look. You know, like, you know, so so here, here's why I mention that, OK? There's a reason. You ever wonder what God's pet peeve is? You ever wonder what drives God crazy? And I, I know that sounds strong, but just to get the point across, I mean, you know, what it is that puts God on tilt frustrates God to no end. I mean, it's really important to know this. And actually, it's very, there's a very clear answer in Scripture. It's, it's when we mistreat another person. It's when we damage somebody in whatever way we do it. it drives God crazy. And, and, and we know this from all over Scripture. And we know it from where we've been the last several weeks. Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 3, 5, 5 6, and 7. Okay? That's what Jesus talked about when he, he dealt with how we relate to other people. And you could do a check on this yourself. You can go back and Review everything Jesus said, what we talked about over the last uh, several weeks. And, and, and you'll see how he gave one example after another where you and I can mistreat another person. And this is, this is very serious to God and, and it has extremely serious consequences. Including what we're going to talk about this morning, judging other people from the first few verses of Matthew chapter 7. This is de definitely something that's that's major with God, it, it does. It, it drives God a bit crazy when he sees you and I do this. And so I, I think that since it's so important to God, it's something that you and I want to understand and not only understand, but know how to apply. Okay? So I, you know, I do what I do every week and open up the passage I'm going to preach from and Matthew's... Chapter 7 here today, and I began digging into those verses, and I discovered three invaluable nuggets of timeless wisdom that Jesus gives us. 
First of all, wisdom on how to deal with the shortcomings of others. Second, wisdom on how to deal with our own shortcomings. And, and then the third one, wisdom in our zeal to help others when they don't want to be helped. Okay? By the way, uh, what Jesus said in the verses we're going to look at today is a great example of why very smart people from one generation to another have said that Jesus Christ was absolutely the most brilliant teacher ever, ever. So let's look at these. First of all, wisdom and how to deal with the shortcomings of others. Verse 1 and verse 2, Matthew 7. He said, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, and here, here's the consequence part, in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, if I, if I was a betting man, I would bet that if we went out on the street and did an inter, uh, like a survey with people and asked them what it was Jesus Christ meant when he said that we should not judge, very many people would say, well, what he's telling us is that we should never tell another person that what they believe is wrong, and we should never tell another person that what they do is wrong, no matter how wrong it is what they believe, and no matter how wrong it is what they, they do. We should never tell them that, because if we do, then we're doing what Jesus Christ said we shouldn't do. We, we're, we're judging. So are they right? Is that what Jesus meant? No, definitely not what he meant. It's easy to see from the Sermon on the Mount itself. There's multiple times in the sermon where Jesus gave value judgments on what's right and what's wrong and what's true and what's false. And in fact, you can see this all through Scripture. You can see it in all four of the Gospels where Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So there's no question that Jesus believed in absolute truth and absolute standards of right and wrong. And there is absolutely no way that he's saying to any one of us that you and I should be indifferent toward what's true and toward what's right. So if that's true, then what was Jesus saying we should never do when he said, do not judge? That's, that's a $64,000 question to answer. He's doing this. If you're taking notes, it's something you might want to write down. He's making a distinction between the person who condemns and the person who's compassionate. Those two words. And as I looked at this and as I thought about it to myself, I thought, you know what? I think that there are three key differences in that, uh, what you can do to help you understand where you've, you've gone from compassion to condemnation. And, and, and the first one is attitude, the second one is motivation, and the third one is how you say what you say. So, first of all, attitude, okay? Attitude is how we think about ourselves and how we think about the person we're talking to that, that we're having a conversation with about something in their life that isn't right. You see, it's, it's one thing for you and me to be humble and realistic about ourselves when we do that, to be aware of our own struggles and failures, okay? For, I mean, if, you know, and if anything, to see the wrong that you've done every bit as sinful as the next guy's wrong, okay? It's something entirely different to be proud and self-righteous, to have this 
you know, opinion of yourself where, as you can see, you, you do no wrong, you know, and, or, or at the very least, you think to yourself, the wrong that I'm doing is so much less wrong than the wrong that everybody else does, okay? So the first one is attitude. The second one is motivation, okay? Motivation is why you're doing what you're doing, why you're having that conversation with some, somebody, and uh, you know what? It's, it, it's, it's one thing to say what you say to the other person to help them. Okay? Speak truth into their life because you want to restore them spiritually. You, you, you want them to know the joy and fulfillment that can be theirs in Jesus Christ and in what's true and what's right. You see, it's a whole different deal when you say what you say to condemn the other person, to criticize them because you, you want to hurt them, you want to make them feel bad, and, and basically you just want to write them off. You, you, you don't want anything more to do with them. The, the third thing that he's doing here, he's speaking to how you say what you say, how you say it. I mean, we know it makes all the difference how you say what you say. Uh, all the difference in the world between speaking to somebody with respect and love and speaking to that same person in a demeaning and a hateful kind of a way. So if you put all three of these together, attitude and motivation, and how you say what you say, the thing that we can, the thing that we can know then, everybody, is that, is that when Jesus said, do not judge, he, he was speaking to the person who is arrogant and destructive and demeaning toward others. Not a nice person to be around. Okay? This is a person who thinks that they're at a level above everybody else. Okay? They absolutely enjoy pointing out the failings of others. They're eager to criticize. You might even say it's like it's their entertainment, it's their hobby. Okay? And they almost always put the, the worst possible construction on the motives of the person that they're judging, that they're condemning. And, and they're, they're quick to pour cold water on another person's dreams. And so you ask yourself another question, and it's an important question to ask. You ask yourself, why did Jesus need to say this to us? Why did he need to tell us not to judge? I'm convinced that he did it for at least two reasons, okay? Number one, he said it because he knew how easy it is to do it. I mean, it's easy, isn't it? It's easy. It's easy to be condemning of another person when their behavior or their lifestyle offends you, you know? And, and I thought about this. I think we all have a judgment trigger that's, that sets us off. Your trigger might be the person who offends you, your religious convictions by making different claims about God. It might be somebody who, who offends you politically. They're, they're on the other side you know, of what you are, and what they say offends you. you know. your, your trigger might be the person who offends your moral values by making lifestyle choices you disagree with. Or it might be a person it doesn't stay physically fit. It could be a neighbor whose yard is an absolute eyesore. It could be someone who doesn't know when to stop talking, especially to stop talking about themselves. I mean, we, 
Right? We've all got our own trigger. And sometimes, sometimes it's very easy to think that we're a whole lot better than certain people we meet in the course of life. And it's easy to criticize those people, to criticize them to ourselves, to criticize them to other people, to even criticize them face to face. And you know what? Sometimes all we want to do is tell them off, and that's exactly what we do. We, we tell them what's what, and we walk away feeling good about ourselves. It's like we have this little conversation, you know, like, man, I, I said exactly what they needed to hear. Good job, Steve. Ever had that conversation? See, Jesus knew this. And he knew that if we didn't say what we thought of the person we're judging, we'd do a mighty fine job of judging them in our mind. Okay? Number two. He said it because he knew how damaging it is to other people when we're judgmental, when we're condemning. Damaging to fellow believers and damaging to people who do not share our faith in Jesus Christ. I mean, it's not difficult, is it, to understand why this is true? All you have to do is be on the receiving end of somebody else condemning you, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. And I bet we've all been there at some point in our life. Here's a, a, a statistic uh, to consider. A recent study with Barna. showed that 87, this is really 87% of young people outside the church between the ages of 18 and 35 said that the term judgmental accurately describes present day Christianity. Now is that always a fair assessment of Christianity? No, it's not. In many cases it's simply a matter of you know, someone outside the church unfairly judging Christians that they don't even know. They maybe never even had a conversation with a Christian. It's just something they've been told. But you know what? You know what, everybody? Sometimes it's true. Sometimes it's true. It just is. Sometimes we've, we've judged and and, and we've condemned and we've written off people because of what they do or they don't do. And, and, and when we've done this, we've created a barrier between that person and the truth of God's grace in Jesus Christ. You see, because if, if they don't experience God's grace and how we treat them and how we talk to them, man, they're, they're, they're not going to be able to hear us when we talk about God's grace through Jesus Christ. We've just created a barrier. So, brings me to another question. Well, then what should we do? How should we, if we, how should we respond to the shortcomings of others, whether they're, they're little or they're, they're big? The, this is the question to ask. And, and you know what? Jesus Christ knew we'd be asking the question, so he gave us the answer in verse 12. This is, this is what he said. He said, so in everything, in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you for this sums up the law and the prophets. That's another way of saying it. it's kind of like it sums up all of God's word. Okay? All right? It's the answer, okay? We should respond to the shortcomings of others in exactly the same way we hope other people would respond to our shortcomings. And I think the word for that, that and I think what we all want, right, is 
compassion. Compassion. You see, Jesus, Jesus not only talked about this, he lived it. He lived it. One of my favorite examples of this is from the 8th chapter in John's Gospel where John uh, tells us about the time when, when the religious leaders of Israel dragged this woman to Jesus Christ who they'd caught in adultery. And, and, and they, they, they wanted to make a public spectacle of this woman. They were so ready to condemn her to death, to stone her. They were ready to pick up those stones and start throwing them. But they decided, they said, you know what? Let's use her first. Let's, let's see if we can use her to trap Jesus into saying something that's not right. You know, or he, he would contradict God's word. And so they dragged her in front of him and they said, what do you say, teacher? What should we do? Should, this woman, she committed adultery. Should we, should we, should we condemn her to death should we stone her <laughs> I love it Jesus got he, like he didn't even he didn't like he, he, he acted like he they weren't even there you know and he leans down and he starts writing in the sand people have always been trying to figure out what it was he was writing when he wrote that but it, we don't know but he and and they kept pressing him pressing him for an answer until finally he 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 said you know what Whichever one of you is without stone, without sin, you pick up the first stone and you throw it at her. And, he, and then he, he bent down and he started writing in the sand again. And, and then John tells us that one after another, after another of those religious leaders just kind of slinked away. Okay? And Jesus said to the woman, Woman, where are your accusers? Is there nobody left to condemn you? And she said, no one, sir. And, and then he said this, okay? Don't miss any part of what he said. He said to her, then neither do I condemn you. But then you know what he said? He said, go now and leave your life of sin. Okay? He didn't condemn her. He was compassionate toward her, but he did not excuse her sin. He, he told her to leave her life of sin. That is a perfect model of what you and I should do. You see, we should always speak the truth, but we should do it in the same way we would hope others would speak the truth to us. We should do it with compassion. Okay? And that means we, we do it with the right attitude. We do it, you know, uh, uh, we, we're realistic about ourselves. We, we're humble about ourselves. We see our own sinfulness. We do it with the right motivation for the right reason. And we do it knowing that how we say what we say will make all the difference on the other person being able to hear us. The thing we can't lose sight of, okay, boy, this is big. It's the fact that because of Jesus, every person, every life is reachable and redeemable. Nobody is outside of God's reach. God never writes anybody off, you see. And because that is true, neither should you or, or I. And if we keep this in front of us, in all of our relationships with people who are far from God, the potential impact and influence you and I can have on other people is absolutely powerful and it's unlimited. Unlimited. So that's the first nugget, okay? Wisdom on how to deal with the shortcomings of others. And so how about this 
for our first application today, all right? Let me ask you. Who right now do you think of in your life that you must, it is so easy for you to condemn that person? <laughs> and everything inside of you just wants to tell them off and write them off. You want them out of your life. If you've got somebody like that, you know what I would say? That's a great place to start this week, a great place to start showing compassion. And if you do that, I can guarantee you it'll work. It'll be worth every bit of effort you put into it. At the most, you can reach that person with God's love. And just imagine if you do their joy and your joy to see the difference that that could make in their life. And you know what else? At the very least, it'll strengthen your ability to love people. You'll become more of a lover. Okay? Here's the second nugget. Uh, wisdom on how to deal with our own shortcomings. And this is the classic passage. Verse 3. He said, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? And how can you say to your brother, let me take this back out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly how to see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. See, you know what? Jesus is talking here to the person who's uh, got the wrong attitude. <laughs> That's who he's talking to. The person who sees themselves up here and everybody else down here who, you know, thinks they can do no wrong, that, that kind of person. Person who, has a, person who has a really, really, really easy time of seeing the little specks of sawdust in another person's eye. But boy, oh boy, they cannot see the plank in their own eye. Okay? That's who he's talking to. Now, Used a very strong word to describe this person. What did he say they were? Hypocrite. I don't want to be called a hypocrite, do you? So, so how do we make sure that this doesn't happen? How do you and I make sure that other people don't look at us and say, man, I tell you what, that guy, that woman, they're, they're just a, they're a hypocrite. They're a hypocrite. <laughs> Two things here, okay? And the first one, I'm going to say is something you might want to talk about later on, you know, maybe as a family over the dinner table, lunch table, or, or with somebody else, a friend of yours, or in your small group, or whatever, because I could be wrong, okay? I could be wrong, but I don't, I don't think I am. I think it's worth considering, and here it is. I think we're, we're all very wise. We'd all be very smart to assume that we've all got a plank in our eye. Okay? I think I'd be real smart to just say, you know what, I can, I can just bet I've got a plank in my eye that I'm having a hard time seeing. Okay? The second thing that, that, that Jesus points to that I, that I think goes a long way toward helping us do what I'd like to call, I'd like to call it plank management. Okay? And it's the two things. Honest accountability and confession of our sin. See, and, and, and when I say that, I'm not saying you walk out of here this morning and you, you, you tap the first person you, say, you see and you say, man, let me tell you my sin. No, okay? That would freak them out. 
Okay, they go, ooh, I'm not coming back here again. But, but here, here, here's, what, there, here's why it's so good to have trusted relationships with other people. Other people that you know are going to love you, they're going to be compassionate to you, and people that are going to say the truth to you. They're not going to play games with you. That, that's why I think it's so good to be in a small, small group, to be in a life group. Gives you the opportunity to build those kind of relationships. Okay, here's the third nugget of wisdom. Uh, I, I, it's wisdom in our zeal to help others. And I'm just going to add this in, at the end. You might want to write this down when they don't want to be helped. I, I thought about skipping this because, my goodness, we've already had enough to think about. And, you know, they say sometimes less is more. But, but uh, I, I, you just can't miss it. I mean, you're reading, you read the first five verses, and you, you can't help but see verse 6. It's too close. All right? So let's look at it. He said, do not give dogs what is sacred, and do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. We could actually spend a whole sermon on this. But I'm just going to bottom line it with two observations that Jesus made about this kind of a person. First of all, we, cannot, uh, we can't miss how he described them, can we? You know, dogs and, and pigs. And, and the kind of dog he was talking about is not the kind of dog that's your favorite pet back home waiting for you to come home. And when you open the door, his or her tail is going to start wagging right away. He's not talking about that kind of dog. He's talking about dogs that were dangerous He's talking about mongrels that wandered the streets. I mean, dangerous dogs. And, and as far as pigs, tell you what, I grew up on a farm. I've been up close to pigs too long to like pigs. And I'm sorry if, I mean, if there's any pig lovers out here today. I, I apologize, but I've been up close to pigs. They smell. They're very rude. And, um, and I mean, they just, it's just they're filthy. Okay, and I've cleaned up after them, too many pig pens. And, and, but you know what? For Jewish, Jewish people back then, uh, they like pigs even less than I do because I'll, I'll at least eat a pig uh, meat. In fact, we're going to Minneapolis next weekend, and I cannot wait until we're going to stop in Ames, Iowa because there's a place there that's got absolutely like the best, you know, ribs and pork and all that. I mean, let me tell you about it. If you want to know, I'll tell you. The, but, but anyway, okay, so, so, so you know what? You know what Jesus is, is, is saying here? He's not complimenting these people. He used these comparisons because the person he's describing is the person who has no appreciation for and no interest in what's valuable. And in the context of this passage, what's valuable here is, is the truth about themselves. They, they don't want to hear the truth about themselves. That's his first observation. The second observation is this, is, is if you go to this kind of a person with this kind of attitude and, 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 and you share what they need to hear about themselves, you know what they're going to do with it, he says? They're just going to dismiss it and they're going to they're gonna disregard it, and they're going to attack you back. So what's he saying? You see, there, he's saying there are some people who have so much pride in themselves, 
that there's nothing you can do or say that's going to convince them to, to even listen to what's true about themselves. And when this happens, he said, you know what? It's better, it's better not to say anything at all and just simply pray for them. Sometimes it just is that way. It doesn't mean you give up on them. It, it simply means you adjust your strategy in helping them. You, you wait until they're ready and you pray for them to be ready. I, I don't know. I think those are some pretty good nuggets. You know? Wisdom on how to deal with the shortcomings of others. Wisdom on how to deal with our own. And wisdom in our zeal to help somebody who doesn't want to be helped. Well, we're going to take communion now together, and I'm going to ask our hosts if they would come and they could just begin to distribute. And I want to say to everybody here today, if you're a guest here this morning, our, our, our time of remembering the Lord's death is open to everybody. And uh, everybody who has a faith in Christ is their Savior. We want you to know. And, and when, the, when that uh, when it comes to you, reach down deep. If you haven't been here yet, we've got two cups. You pick them up both at the same time. And, uh, and, and then uh, we're going we're gonna to listen to a beautiful song here. But as we do, okay? Yeah, go ahead. That's fine. Let's do this, okay? Let's prepare our hearts by asking God to help us see the plank of sin in our life. Let's, let's pray to God and ask God to love the person who we think has got a plank in their eye. And let's, let's do this. If you're, the person, if you're the person sitting here today and you'd say, ooh, I think I'm a dog or a pig. I don't like to listen to what other people tell me, even though I should. Then I would say, you know what? Confess it to God and deal with it before you take communion today. All right? Okay, let's do that, and then I'll come up and uh, lead us in communion.